0: So today, this morning, is week three, the last week of our sermon series called I Doubt It. We've been dealing with this topic of doubt based on this guy we met in Mark chapter 9 who said, Jesus, I believe. Help my own belief. Uh, So many of us could say that. I believe, but wow, I'm struggling to believe in a lot of areas. And we've talked about how do I believe in God's power and presence in my life when i just don't feel that i just don't see that i'm doubting what it looks like to God work for God to work in my life or last week many of you talked about how in your own life you've had questions about your salvation you've doubted whether or not you were truly a christian or you looked back to early childhood and thought my testimony didn't look like everybody else's what's God doing in my life today and so we worked on that question of doubting our salvation Today, we're dealing with the issue of, I doubt God can really use me. You might be here this morning and say, okay, I believe in God's power and presence. I believe there's a God. He's at work. I believe I've been saved, but there's no way God can really use me. And, and you have all the reasons, all the excuses, maybe all the experiences that says, can God really use me? And my hope this morning is that you would leave And not pridefully, but you would leave here and say, yes, God can use me. God can use me to impact others. What can God use you to do? That's part of the question we have to answer this morning. Here's what I want to put in front of you. This is the question I want you to think about as we go along. The question is, how can I be used by God to help someone else take one more step in following Jesus? That's that's what we're trying to focus on. Not that you would be able to do everything or impact everybody. What I want you to do is to leave this morning and say, I can help somebody else take one more step in following Jesus. As a result of that person being around you, that they would love God more, that they would trust him more, that they would want to know more about who he is and how he works in their life. Because if we can think about it like that, if we're not careful, we get overwhelmed, and we think of people in our, in our lives that we want to impact, and we want to change their life completely all at once. And it just doesn't work like that way, does it? What, what do we need to do? God, help me to help somebody else take one more step toward Jesus. If that's somebody who's not a Christian, and you want to tell them about Jesus, you're just trying to say, can I help that person take one more step toward trusting in Jesus? If it's somebody who's already a Christian, you're thinking, God, how can you use me to help that person continue to follow Jesus, to continue to know him more? So we're going to be- say, God, help me help somebody else take one more step toward following Jesus. Why do we doubt that? Why do we doubt that God can use us in that way. Here's the first thing that comes to mind. Sometimes we doubt that God can use us to impact others because we've misunderstood salvation. When Jesus saved you, when you were born again, when you became a Christian, however we want to say that, when you were saved, if we're not careful, sometimes we think that's the finish line. Like, okay, I've been saved. Now I'll just hang around and do the best I can in life, and then one day I'll go to heaven. Friends, salvation is so much more than that. It's not less than that. Salvation is not less than going to be with God forever, but what God wants to do in your life is so much more than you just hang around for a few decades until you go to heaven one day. He wants to transform our lives from the inside out. He wants to conform us to the image of Christ. He wants to use us to impact other people with his truth and his love And if we're not careful, one of the most dangerous places you can reach as a Christian is you just become bored. And a bored Christian can easily turn into a bitter Christian. Because when we're bored, we're thinking, is this all it means to be a Christian? Like, is this all God wants to do in my life? Oh no, like he wants to transform your life from the inside out and then use you to take his good news to people around you. If we don't have a full understanding of salvation, we'll never get to the point of saying, God, how can you use me? The second reason that people sometimes doubt God can use them is that they misunderstand the church. Because if we think of church as the people who are on stage or the people who are on staff or as something we just show up to occasionally, we're always going to think, well, I don't fit in any of those roles in any of those places, so, so how could God actually use me? And then we just have to back up and remember what the church is all about. That that we are the body of Christ. That we are gathered together, every one of us, gathered in the name of Jesus, connected as brothers and sisters in Christ, in order to be able to encourage one another, and equip one another, and help one another continue to follow after the Lord. If you think about church as staff, or stage, or an event you show up to, I can understand how you might doubt God would use you. But if you think about church as the people God has put around you, that you can love and encourage and come alongside of, God can use you in that way. One of the things that we try to say at Emmaus consistently is some of the most important worship and ministry that happens on Sunday morning are the conversations that happen before and after the worship service. Some of the most important things we do as a church family are those text messages that you send one another during the week as you reach out and you care for one another. If we define church simply as what happens in this room for 75 minutes or so, yeah, you might feel like, well, I'm just the audience. I'm just here to make Owen try to feel better about himself while he preaches. Church is so much more than that. We're gathered together to encourage one another to continue to follow Jesus. And every one of us needs to be part of that. Every one of us is part of that. Number three, why do we doubt God can use us? Season of life. I'm too young for God to use me. (laughs) I'm too old for God to use me. I'm too poor for God to use me. I'm too tired for God to use me. <laughs> um, I'm too busy for God to use me. We have all these comments about our season of life, about why God can't use us. And you know what happens in those situations? We end up making excuses instead of making progress. We make excuses, God. I, I, just, I would do more, but if this season of life was different, then maybe I could, I could do something different. Uh, one of the things that Amanda and I have gone through in life, and, and I'm, I'm telling you this story to say 95%, let's just call it 99% of this story is completely my fault. Uh, maybe I should just say 100% of this, <laughs> this story is my fault and just accept all of it. Uh, starting back when I was going through the PhD program, what I would tell Amanda was, babe, next semester, like if we just get through this semester, next semester, is gonna be so much easier, just, just so much better. And then when we would get to the next semester, Hey, next year, like once we get through this, this year, it is gonna be so much. We never actually have made it to that point. <laughs> like we're, we're still trying to figure out what is over the horizon that's gonna make things easier. Every season of life we move into has its own challenges. Every season of life that you move into has its own opportunities. And if we begin to tell ourselves, God could use me if I was in a different season of life, we're never going to be fully used by God because we're always going to be thinking about something else other than where he's put us right now. Friends, whatever season of life you are in right now is exactly where God wants to use you. He has you, and he will use you from the youngest child up to the oldest adult in the room. And we can either make excuses about that, or we can say, God, how are you going to use me right where I am? When you're caring for those little kids at home, God is using you to help those kids take another step to follow Jesus. Parenting is made up of long days and short years, days that are never going to end and years that you think, what in the world happened? And all you're trying to do is just help them to take another step in following Jesus. Many of you here are caring for aging parents. And in that season of life, you say, I don't have the time or the money or the energy to do what I did previously. As you care for your aging parent, you are absolutely doing the work of God. That you are honoring your parents, and you are loving the Lord, and whatever season of life God has put you, that is exactly where he has called you to serve. Number four, why do we say, God, you can't use me? Well, personality, personal experiences. This can be simple things, like those of us who are shy and introverted can think, God, how could you ever use me? I just I just don't like to really be around people a whole lot. Um, Maybe that's your situation. Some people are super driven and super involved in business and things like that, but they're just not really interested in church. So they feel really driven in other areas of their life, but they're not as connected to what's going on in church. One thing I hear often is, God can't use me because of something that happened in my past or something I'm going through right now. And if I can just tell you again, what you've gone through in your past and what you're going through right now, that's exactly how God wants to use you. He never wastes those experiences. Second Corinthians chapter one tells us that sometimes we experience the comfort of God in a situation so we can turn around and comfort somebody else going through that same situation. We've used this phrase before at Emmaus, but people will respect you for your strengths, but they will connect with you on your weaknesses. (laughs) We see somebody that's really good at something, and are like, oh, that's awesome, they're really good. We see somebody who struggles with something, and we think, oh, I struggle with that, too. Like, I know what that feels like to go through that situation. You could think, oh, and you have no idea what I've been through in my past, and what I would want to tell you is because of what you've gone through in your past, God has prepared you to do ministry right now and into the future. He's going to use that to allow you to point other people toward Jesus. When we start to feel like God can't use me, there's a couple of responses we need to avoid. These are the things we're trying not to do. So if you find yourself in your mind saying, I don't really know that God can use me. I, it really doesn't matter if I'm part of that church. It really doesn't matter if I show up or not. It, if you start to feel that way, this is what we're trying to fight against. The first thing we're trying to fight against is this idea of being disengaged or, or apathetic. The verses that come before these verses that Kennedy read for us earlier, Peter is telling these believers, hey, you've got to keep a tender heart. You've got to continue to love one another. You have to continue to be unified. You have to continue to be humble. Because if we're not careful, our heart will begin to grow hard toward God and others. And we'll start to disengage. We'll start to disconnect from what's going on around us. And we'll think, well, God can't use me. Yeah, when your heart starts to get hard and you start to get bitter or cynical toward people, it is going to be hard at that moment to be used by God. We're trying to fight against that. We're trying to say, no, no, God's still going to work through my life. I don't know if you've heard of this phrase, but I've read it in many articles and seen it on podcasts recently. It's the phrase, quiet quitting. Has anybody seen the phrase, quiet quitting? Okay, it's making the rounds, so you guys, are, you guys are, are seeing that. Quiet quitting is a new phrase to describe what happens when at a job or a business someone continues to keep their job. Like, they want to stay employed, but they do the absolute minimum to stay in that job. So they're not quitting But for all intents and purposes, they've quit your business. They've they've quietly just backed away. How little can I do to remain employed here? Quiet quitting. When I saw that phrase over the last couple of weeks, I thought, that's the battle in church. If we are not careful, we will end up quiet quitting church. We'll keep showing up from time to time. We'll want to stay connected but we'll just do the absolute minimum. We'll begin to back up, we'll begin to draw away, we'll begin to disconnect. In those moments, we can find ourselves in a really bad place spiritually. Not because we need to be busy doing church stuff, but because in our hearts, we've grown hard toward the work of the Lord. We've grown hard toward the work of the church, and we end up quiet, quitting, and backing away. We've gotta fight against that. The second thing you've gotta fight against, when you wonder, can God actually use me? is you have to fight against this idea of fear. In 1 Peter chapter 3, there in verse 14, where it says, Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Therefore, have no fear of them. How are we used by God when we have fear? When we are afraid what somebody else is going to say about us, what someone is going to do to us. This idea of living in fear is that idea of, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? Sometimes the only thing that keeps you from talking about your faith to other people is this fear that they're going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. How, how do I respond to those things? And so because of fear, we begin to think, God can never use me in the way that he uses other people. We're going to talk about that in a minute, how we respond to that. Third thing to, to reject When you start to wonder if God can use you or not, we have to fight against this feeling of being shaken up or troubled. Again, verse 14. The end of verse 14 says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. The word for being troubled is the word for being shaken up inside. It's when you feel like your life is losing its foundation, its its connection there. Sometimes, in life we start to look around at how much people are struggling in the culture and and frankly just how crazy the world is and we get so overwhelmed with how bad things are out there that we stop believing God can use us in any way. If you only look at the craziness in the world and you only find yourself being agitated and angry and troubled and frustrated all the time, It's going to be really hard with that attitude to imagine that God could use you in certain ways. And so 1 Peter says, don't be troubled. Remember, God's in control. He's got this. You you can trust him. Because when you have that peace and stability in your life, it puts you in a position to be able to be used by God. When you're constantly agitated about a news article that you saw, you're not even thinking about how God can use you in that situation. Because you just feel overwhelmed all the time by what's happening in the world around you. What's the path forward? How, how do we take a step forward? Three things that show up in these verses. Verse 15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. The way I memorized that verse as a kid was set apart Christ as Lord. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. What does this mean? It means to be used by God we have to begin with what God is doing in our own heart, and our own soul. The best way you can be used by God to impact others is to allow God to impact your own life. Because as God begins to impact your life, as he begins to change you on the inside, it's going to come out to people around you. If we try to do all this work in ministry without allowing God to shape our heart and our soul, it won't last very long. We'll get exhausted We'll forget what we're doing, why we're doing it. It just won't last. But if we'll begin by setting apart Christ as Lord, everything about my life, everything I do, comes back to the fact that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And if we get that right, if we get that foundation in place, then it allows us to be able to serve other people. So, learning good theology, (laughs) connecting with a Sunday school class, a Bible study group, studying on your own, doing those sort of things as you grow in your faith prepares you to be able to impact other people. Let's walk through that theology just just a little bit. I have just got a couple of things we wanna say about this. Let's just kinda walk through the idea of, of Trinity. Let's begin with God as Father. When you understand what it means for God to be Father, that he has created me with purpose and value, he's given you your personality and talents on purpose, He continues to give you resources and opportunities and realizing that his kingdom involves all things, not just the ones that I deem to be spiritual. When we see that God is Lord over all the earth, everything you do in your life, your job, your kids' activities, your neighborhood, coming to be a part of the church, all of this is a part of God's kingdom. Oftentimes people will say, well, God can't really use me because I'm not good at that super spiritual stuff. Friends, God's at work in every area. Every area. And he has created you with gifts and talents, and he's given you resources and opportunities, and he has prepared those things for you to do. And we know that because of God the Son, we are able to be made new and be able to do those things God has prepared us to do. Where does it begin? It begins when we confess Jesus is Lord. If you are here this morning, and you have made the confession, Jesus is Lord, you are ready to impact other people. You are ready to point somebody else to Jesus. When we do baptisms up here, and we talk to kids or adults about what it means to be baptized, when you go down in that water, and you confess Jesus as Lord, and you come up out of that water, and you walk out of the baptistry, you are ready to help somebody else take another step toward Jesus. When we understand that Jesus is able to redeem all of our experiences, everything that you've been through in your past that hurts and continues to haunt you, Jesus is able to redeem that. He is able to rescue that, and to use that and impact other people. Think about the Holy Spirit. So we have God the Father, God the Son. Think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do the work that God has called us to do. He comforts us. He convicts us of sin. He changes us from the inside out. He produces what we call fruit of the Spirit. And so as a result of experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life, we become more loving and patient and kind and joyful and peaceful All these things that God wants to do in our hearts. And then, as the Holy Spirit works in your life, what does he give you? He gives you spiritual gifts. He prepares you to be able to go out and serve other people. And then he connects us as part of the church. And he gives us the word of God that he's inspired so that we're able to know what it looks like to live as his people. When you understand who God is and what it means to believe in him, that will drive you to do what God has created you to do, which then takes us to the second part. After I set apart Christ as Lord, what do I need to do next? Well, I need to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to make a defense. That's the famous word that we use sometimes in church life called apologetics. If you've ever been around church and you heard the word apologetics, it's this idea of being able to give a defense, give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ. This is where we begin to honor God with our mind. We say, God, I want to know why I have this hope in Jesus. I want to know more about what I believe and why I believe those things, so then I can turn around and share that with other people. And if we can just be honest, this is where most of us begin to panic Because you think, okay, time out. I believe Jesus is the Lord. I believe God wants to work through my life to help someone follow Jesus. And I also know that someone's gonna ask me a theology question that I have no idea how to answer. And all I can say to you is, yes, that is probably going to happen, and and I wanna join the crowd as well because I'm right right there with you. You don't have to be able to answer every question in order to give someone a reason for the hope you have in Jesus. There are questions out there that you're gonna be asked and you're gonna say, that's a really good question. Like, let's let's learn that together. Let's research that together. Hear me out on this. If you wanna write this down, you can write it down. Otherwise, just put it deep in your mind. You don't have to know everything in order to be able to impact somebody. You don't have to know everything in order to know something. You don't have to be able to answer every person's question in order to help one person. Sometimes this idea comes to us that if I don't know how to answer every theology question out there, I can never talk to somebody else about my faith. Well, if that's the case, we'd all be frozen. (laughs) We, We would all be in trouble at that point. But you can say there are some things I know, and God can use those to help me speak to other people. What should you know? What are some basics you should be aware of? Well, I'm glad you asked, thank you for asking. Um, what are some basics that you should be aware of? Let me, let me give you six that I've laid out, and you'll have to write all these six down because they're on emmausokc.org doubt, they're, they're on our uh, website, and I've created a separate document that walks you through some points on each of these that you can just learn, very basic things that you can hold on to on how you answer these questions. What do we need to be able to speak about to people around? Well, let's just start off with God as creator. Either there is a God or there's not a God. (laughs) Either everything that exists somehow got here without a divine being, or there's a divine being that created the material world. There's, There's two options there. That's a good starting place to have conversations with someone. We're not worried at this point about what kind of God exists, Can we know this God? We're not worried about that. All we're starting with is, is there a divine being? Is there something supernatural? Is there a God that created all things? So we start there. How can I talk to people about this idea of creation? That is there a beginning to the world? Is there order to the world? Again, there's a whole document online that will just kind of walk you through that. You can go through that with your Sunday school class. You can go through that with your small group. You can just use it personally to think through, how would I answer some questions if someone asked me about creation? Number two, if you just picked one thing off this list, let me just be straightforward with you, this is the one to pick, that you would be able to speak to somebody about the resurrection of Jesus, because we've said it before, no no resurrection of Jesus, we don't need to be here. Resurrection of Jesus is true, that changes everything. That requires our lives. That, that is where our hope is found. And so being able to speak to someone about how early the accounts are of the resurrection of Jesus and how the resurrection of Jesus makes perfect sense within all the events that are surrounding the cross and what happens after the cross. Just having a couple of talking points to speak to people about that. And then eternity, being able to ask somebody, is there anything that happens after this life? Most people are open to that conversation. Like, what, what happens after you die? And if somebody says, I don't know, you can very gently say, I think it would be really helpful to know. Like, if there's something that happens after this life, happens after death, I don't want to know about that. And, and what does it look like to experience that? And so we're, we're thinking about how God has put eternity in the hearts of all people. That people realize this drive that something's going to happen after this life and they want to know more about it. Can they trust the Bible? This idea of why do bad things happen to people? Man, that's a hard question. <laughs> like if you talk about a question that keeps people away from faith, that's probably close to the top. Why is there so much suffering in the world? Why do we, why do we go through these things? And then the last thing on the list is, is really interesting because it impacts our friends down here and, and their generation and the generation after, after them. For most of my, my life and my study, the questions we've been trying to answer for people have to do with, are, is the Bible true? Did these things actually happen? So you might know the names like Lee Strobel or Josh McDowell or Frank Turek or these, these famous people that have given reasons for the Christian faith over the years. Here's what's so hard. Over the last five years, maybe 10 years, but it feels more like five years, The conversation has changed because now people aren't just asking, is it true? They're looking at Christianity and saying, is it good? They don't care about whether or not it's true. These friends down here, their friends, the generation to come, they're asking the question, is it even good? Like, let's just assume Christianity is true. I don't like it because I don't think it's good. And this has to do with questions regarding sexuality and marriage and politics and all these difficult issues that come up and people are looking at the church and they're saying, I don't care if it's true or not, I don't want anything to do with it because it doesn't seem good. And that's a whole different ballgame of how you respond to those type of questions, having to show that the way of Jesus is good and it leads to life and it's good for people around us and it allows people to flourish and live the best life possible. All of these type of ways, we just want to be prepared to have a conversation with people. And when the conversation starts to chase squirrels, we're trying to draw back to those six things. (laughs) And so in your mind, you're just saying, I can't answer their crazy Bible questions, and I'm not going to answer all their theology questions, but I am going to know how to take a conversation and bring it back to those things. Because if we can get those things, then it allows us to help that person take another step toward Jesus. Number three, we're going to wrap up with this. So first, in my own heart, I set apart Christ as Lord. Second, in my mind, I want to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that I have. And then, I'm going to do that with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior, your good conduct in Christ, may be put to shame. This is the idea that one of the ways that God can use me to impact others is through how I live, through the way I operate, through the way I conduct myself around other people. This is the power of a life well lived. If you think to yourself, Owen, you gave me that list of six things and I could study all day and I'm still gonna forget those things. I can tell you I understand that. And I can also tell you if you will treat people with gentleness and respect, it'll go a long way to point them toward Jesus. It'll go a long way to help them know what God is really like. I think I've got a phrase up there on the next screen that my apologetics professor in, in seminary taught me. He said, be kind, nobody responds to a jerk. Be firm, nobody respects a wimp. <laughs> so this idea of we want to be kind, we want to show gentleness and respect and love in how we treat people around us, but at the same time, We wanna be firm about this is what we believe. This is where our hope is found. And so I'm not gonna back away from the truth of what I believe, but when I talk to my friends and neighbors about it, I'm gonna be gentle and respectful and kind. And if you're not been around Emmaus for a long time, I want you to know that holding on to those two things at the same time is one of our most important values. As a church, We are not gonna back away from the truth of God's word. We're gonna stand firm on those things. We believe there are some things that aren't popular in culture, but we need to hold on to them. But we absolutely refuse to do that in an unkind, disrespectful way. We will speak to people with humility and gentleness and love and treat them in that way, and we will hold on to the truth of God's word, and we're not gonna give up either one of those. And if we will live our lives in that way, God will allow us to help people take steps toward Jesus you don't have to raise your hand on this because your kids might be in the room, but how many of us have wanted to say to somebody, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. (laughs) Uh, It's like, you can say something and it be true, but the way it came out of your mouth did not come out the way I think you intended it. Like It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. Or it's the sign that my mom had in her fifth grade classroom for 40 years that says, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Nobody cares how much information you can give them about the Bible and theology if they don't feel like you care for them to begin with. And so as a church, we say we are committed to proclaiming, speaking about Jesus, and displaying Jesus with our lives. We believe Jesus is true and we believe Jesus is good. And we want people to experience that when they come to a worship service. We want people to experience that when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to our kids' activities, when we spend time around people in our neighborhood. Let me give you two responses as we wrap up. Last slide, last thing we're gonna do this morning. If you are not a Christian, if you're here this morning with family or friends, you're curious about Jesus, but you just You just don't believe right now. You're working through things, but you're just not a follower of Jesus. Let me begin by asking you the question, what do you believe? What does form the core of your life? If it's not Jesus as Savior and Lord, if it's not God as Creator, what do you believe? What do you hold on to? And specifically, how do you deal with the reality of sin and brokenness and death in the world? What's your answer to that? Because even if you don't believe in the way of Jesus, everybody has to deal with the reality of sin and brokenness and evil and death in the world. What's your response to that? And and would you consider how Jesus fits into that? What Jesus has done to deal with sin and death through the cross and the resurrection? And if you're here and you're a Christian, I hope that you will go home today thinking about God who can I help take one more step toward Jesus? Who is that person in your life? Who has God put around you that he can use you to help them take a step toward Jesus? What does God want to do? Maybe you need to grow in your faith. Maybe there's some more information you would like to learn, some things you want to discover. Maybe it's just how you treat people, how you live your life. But God has put people around you and he wants to use you to help them to take one more step toward Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we think about what it is for you to work in in and through our lives, in and through our church, we know it begins with that confession that Jesus is the Lord. And Father, I pray if there's anybody here who has never made that confession That this morning might be the day that they do that. That as they think about the weight of sin and evil and death in the world, and they think about Jesus through the cross and the resurrection, bringing hope and victory, God, that they would turn to you in faith and say, I trust you, God. I believe Jesus is Savior and Lord. That somebody this morning would make that confession for the first time. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning who's been right on the edge of quiet, quitting church, has become disconnected, disengaged, doesn't feel like God could ever use them to impact other people, God, I pray that this morning would give us new confidence, new purpose in life, new focus. God, these teenagers, as they go to school and interact with friends who aren't sure whether or not Christianity is good to begin with, much less true. Help them to live lives and speak the truth that can point their friends to Jesus. And God, as we interact with people, that we would be a church that does that with gentleness and respect. That we would value people around us as made in the image of God, as those for whom Jesus has died, And God, I pray that as a church that we would continue to proclaim and display that Jesus is true and good. Help us to do that. Lead us forward as we do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.